I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today, I've got another complete Echoes interview. These are relatively unedited, full interviews as I conducted them. And today, it's a true icon of music and a giant of the guitar, John McLaughlin. I still remember the first time I saw him in 1972, headlining a concert on Boston Common with the Mahavishnu Orchestra. At the time, you had never seen such fury and virtuosity on stage. Loggins and Messina were the opening act, and I still recall Jim Messina standing on the side of the stage during the Mahavishnu set, his mouth gaping open, awestruck by what he was witnessing. And so was I. And I felt pretty much the same the first time I saw Shakti in Boston, and I think that was around 1973. I talked with John McLaughlin a lot about spirituality and the oneness of being needed to improvise. When you're improvising, if you're thinking, you're not playing. And if you're really playing, you're not thinking. And the whole point of any meditative process is stopping thinking, discursive thinking, intellectualization of everything, basically. John McLaughlin, despite threatening to quit five years ago due to arthritis, he's still going with a new edition of Shakti, a new album and a tour that is coming to a town near you right now. John McLaughlin, that's all ahead in a few seconds. You know, I don't get interviews with artists like John McLaughlin, let alone Moby, Tori Amos, or BT, because they like me. We get them because Echoes has reached into the audience they want to hear their music, and that's you. But maintaining that kind of presence, building audience, and producing programs, interviews, and podcasts that musicians want to be on costs a lot of money, and more and more, we depend on you for that. We don't have a radio station or organization backing us up. Government grant support was always minimal and becoming more so. Radio stations don't pay nearly what it costs us. And the podcasts, we do those for you completely free. We do it for the music and musicians, and we do it for you. And we need your help to raise $20,000. Go to echoes.org and hit the support tab to donate. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. Do it now as you listen to this extraordinary interview with John McLaughlin. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing okay. Nice to actually see you again. Yeah, it's been a while. You know, it's interesting because at that time... You were saying you're not going to be uh, performing live anymore. This was on account of I got hit by some pretty heavy arthritis in 2014. And it took me until about 2019 to get, my, get myself cured. Hmm. And uh, I had it in the right hand. Uh, left hand was fine, but the right hand and the right wrist were really problematic. For me, I thought it was basically the party was over. But then I discovered um, uh, a gentleman in the U.S. called uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, uh, who uses healing with meditation. And since uh, I've been meditating a long time, uh, I've never met him, I've never seen him, but... But the technique these have, I adopted this technique, and it took about two nine months, really. But uh, I'm absolutely clear of it now, and so wow. uh, 
Yes, yes, I'm very happy to tell you that uh, this, no swelling, no pain. The only thing that's a problem for me is playing acoustic guitar because there's a position of the acoustic guitar that makes itself a problem. Position of the right hand because of the, the size of the body. So I'm basically reduced to electric guitar, but, but I don't mind. I'm Musically, I've never felt better. So it's, uh, <laughs> here I am. Uh, that said, that said, for musicians and a lot of other people, actors, whatever, uh, people in the entertainment industry, uh, COVID was really a catastrophe in, in more sense than one. Because after a period of at least two and a half years, uh, we started touring uh, in April last year. And I don't know if you've been using planes recently, but it's mm -hmm. really become a nightmare. For musicians, it's very extremely difficult and very stressful. So uh, you know, I'm listening to, to the new album, this, this Moment. First of all, what, what does that title mean to you? This Moment is the only one we have, and the only one we'll ever have. Uh, and if we can be really fully aware of what this moment contains, and uh, then we can be very happy people because it contains the all, basically, <laughs> doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> so it's not a be here now kind of thing, or is it? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's Baba Ramdas, isn't it? Yeah, very mm -hmm. nice fellow. Uh, yeah, of course, it's be here now, it's this living this moment. Chronically, we're either living in the future or the past, thinking about what we'll do in the next hour or tomorrow, or thinking about what we did yesterday or this morning, or you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, so we're actually not, not living the moment at all. This thing about it, it's really relevant in musical terms, John, because in jazz music, improvisation is critically important and it's the same in Indian music. And improvisation is the essence of spontaneity, is being spontaneous. I mean, the whole point is what are you experiencing right now? What are you feeling right now? Not what, what you're thinking about. If you're basically in playing, if you're thinking, you're not playing. And if you're really playing, you're not thinking. And the whole point of any meditative process is stopping thinking, this discursive thinking of, you know, the intellectualization of uh, everything, basically. So this moment, we had a kind of lottery of titles, and there were, we had quite a handful from every member in the band. <laughs> and, uh, and, but this one, this one won the vote. Well, it's a good one, and it does speak to the music that you're making, which is very much in this moment as you're making it. It is. In this moment, it's the only one we've got, John. Here I am right now, <laughs> right here, right now. Yes, sir. But given that, and given that there's so much improvisation in this music, how much of it, though, is arranged? I mean, you've clearly got kind of, you know, what would be called heads, I guess, to, to the tunes. But there are also moments in the tunes where things were clearly 
you know, planned out, like where, you know, Shankar breaks out into a acapella vocal section that that has to be like kind of planned out. We have really very highly sophisticated arrangements, John. There is a tremendous amount of work goes into not just the piece, but the integration of all the instruments. Because from the beginning, it's always been like that. There have been two melodic instruments in the beginning. Now there are three because we have Shankamai and Devan. But the, the original was violin and guitar and two percussion. And the difference between the Western approach is that, generally speaking, the soloists are to the fore and are kind of spotlighted. Whereas in Shakti, the percussion player really is up there with the soloist because the interaction is what happens in this moment, mm -hmm. isn't it? But because, yeah, in a way, if you're improvising, you're on a tightrope and, uh, and you can fall off. You know, you could lose the beat, you can forget what chord you're in, and in the Western and jazz world, you know, sometimes the, the harmonic structure is very sophisticated, very complicated, thanks to people like John Coltrane, giant steps, a moment's notice. I mean, really, really uh, challenging. And in Indian music, and, and we're using the Indian structure, I'm the harmonic part. I try to bring in the harmony that does not break rules, bends them a little bit. John, but the principle about having the percussion player and the melodic player at, at the same level is in that moment, you never know what is coming up. And, and in music, you have to let go. It's a very strange combination of control and abandon in playing, especially in improvisation. You cannot think about what you're going to do in the next five seconds. I mean, you can, but then you're, you're, you're thinking about it instead of playing. And the idea is to abandon yourself to that moment. And what's wonderful about it is magical things happen when we don't try to make them happen. If it sounds contradiction in terms, but it's like that. And this, for me, is perhaps one of the principal characteristics of Shakti from the very beginning, even prior to the beginning of Shakti, because the meeting I had with Zakir, I mean, Zakir and I, we know we go back to 1969, but we played together for the first time and... Uh, I was a guest at the house of Ali Akbar Khan. And Zakir was a teacher at the Ali Akbar Khan School of Music in Northern California. And we were there, and I had an acoustic guitar, and Zakir had his tablas, and we, we just said, well, let's play something for Ali Akbar Khan. <laughs> I mean, very pretentious, but when you're young, you don't care. So we sat down in front of the great master, and we started playing. And I can tell you quite categorically that within 20 seconds, I knew 
I had to work and play with Zakir. There, something quite amazing happened. I won't use the word miraculous, but then, um, you know, some people say uh, the world is either miraculous or not at all. And I think everything's miraculous. But I would say it was absolutely inspiring. And we both felt it. And it was spontaneous. It was in the moment. And the moment kept continuing. And really from this experience in 1972 was the foundation behind Shakti. Hmm. And it is to this day. Because here we are 50 years later. I go to the stage, and Zakir and I are the only original members. The others, they are monsters. Shaka Mahadev and Ganesh Rajagopalan. And um, this that's a family story because Salva Ganesh is the son of Vikuvanayakram. So this is, this is keeping it in the family. But I go to the stage, and I'm thrilled every night because that thing happens. Well, Zakir is, I think, this is must be true. Your longest sustained musical relationship. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Uh, we became friends in '69, but musically we became very much uh, attached from from that point uh, in San Anselmo in 1972. That's a long time ago. <laughs> and even now, when I think about him, I think I'm I'm so amazed at what he does on his instrument. He's just a phenomenal. And a thrill to play with. You know, and it's like, what's better than going on stage and being thrilled to play with the guys on stage? Right. I don't know. That's it. And I'm also thinking that both of these classically trained Indian musicians, El Shankar and Zakir, they were both already involved in kind of crossing over into other music forms. I mean, the first time I saw El Shankar's name was on a Clifford Thornton album from 1972. <laughs> wow. And I think it might be the last wow. time I saw his full name printed out. <laughs> Lak Shinigura. You talking about Shankar Mahadevan? No, no, El Shankar. It's El Shankar, okay. El yes. Shankar. Yes. And of course, Zakir had been involved with uh, Vasant Rai and Shanti. Yeah, Vasan Fry was a very dear friend. He was involved with John Handy, too, mm -hmm. the saxophone player. Already this, this kind of Indo jazz. It's funny because in the UK in the 60s, Joe Harriet, an, an alto sax player, he, was, uh, he had also an Indo jazz fusion group. Yeah. Not like Shakti. Shakti, we, I think we dig deep. We dig deep into each other's cultures. Because they, make no mistake about it, they loved Western musical culture as well, have worked with it, studied it. At least the degree I've studied the North and South Indian musical traditions. Now, I've been very lucky because I've had great teachers. Uh, I had Dr. Ramanathan teaching me South Indian Veena in the early 70s. Uh, and by the mid-70s, I'd become an extracurricular student of uh, the great pundit Ravi Shankar. But I think to be able to have played over the years with Zakir and with the, the musicians that we have had over the years and the current musicians, I am really in the best position because they're on my case 
John, but I go to stare <laughs> on my case, absolutely. So what prompted you to bring a singer into the group? And let me put some a framework around that question a little bit, because I think Westerners have definitely become attuned to Indian modalities instrumentally. Yes, I agree. I think vocalists are, there's still a barrier attuning to Indian vocalists. There is. Yeah, I agree about that too. Yes. Um, they haven't learned uh, enough how to appreciate it. But this is... Uh, the singing tradition in the West is extremely old and its traditions are very powerful. Uh, like, other than... I think the exceptions are when you hear real, the real blues singers. And they will be bending notes all over the place. But, but um, the Westerners become more accustomed to this. Because the way, the way the bluesmen play the guitar, they're bending these notes. I mean, they're playing quarter tones, half tones, not just uh, the tempered scale. They're really sliding around. The other aspect of the Indian tradition, whether it's north or south, is where they use, like the instrumentalists do, they use the gamakam. It can be at the beginning of a note, it's like, you know, it's not you're just saying, no, they inflect the note. And these inflections can be not misunderstood, but, but not enjoyed by the Western ear. I just I know that I know, and I have I have very dear friends. But when they say to me quite, quite clearly, uh, you know, I have problem with the Indian <laughs> singers, and they say, "What a loss for you," <laughs> because they are phenomenal. And Shaka, he's amazing, you know, because the use of of improvisation by a vocalist this is rare, and he's a master improvisation. Not only singing the notes, but the inflection as well. But of course, you have to dig it <laughs> or let it go. But I can tell you, I can tell you, I maybe, maybe I mentioned it the last time we spoke about how I heard Shankar for the first time. You asked the question just before, why, why choose a vocalist? And the fact of the matter is, is that I actually love singers. If reincarnation exists, I want to be a singer in my next life. I don't want to slap a guitar on. I want to sing. I, so I, I love singers. And of course, I've been a great follower of the, of the marvelous Indian singers. Uh, in the past, I've got my own heroes, particularly K.V. Narayanaswamy. Uh, this is probably a name unknown to most of you listeners. Uh, he was around in the 60s and 70s. A master improviser. His rhythmical phrasing was just impeccable. And let's fast forward to 98, where Zaki and I, we just put a kind of Shakti together. We couldn't get El Shankar. We got Viku back. So we had a tour, an invitation of a tour in the UK by the Asian Music Society of the UK. So we couldn't get... El Shankar. So since Zakir and I 
had done work with with a very well-known flute player, a Northern Indian flute player called Hariprasad Chaurasia, who is absolutely one of the greatest musicians of the 20th century. A bamboo flute, amazing flute player, soulful, a master technique, a superb improviser. In any event, since we'd been working as a trio in different places, we asked Hariji to join for that tour, which he did. And actually, it was the first Remember Shakti album. It came out in 98, I think. After that tour, Zaki and I sat down and we said, we have to keep going with Shakti because we'd been separated uh, as a group for quite some time. Zaki and I, we always stayed in touch. We, we continued to do different projects, for example, with Hariji, uh, we were doing recordings. I was on Zaki's recording, the ECM. He was recording with me. Uh, we were doing TV shows in Europe. So that it kept going. But we said, Shati has to come back together. We couldn't get El Shankar. He had uh, another agenda, let's say. And so, well, Hariji was a generation above us, and he wasn't interested in joining the band. I mean, he's a superstar. He was touring constantly. Anyway, so we had to get somebody else. And I had seen and heard this young mandolin player when he was 14 years old, Yu Srinivas, Mandolin Srinivas, he was known at. 14 years old, and he was playing with emotions that only a mature human being could express. He was a prodigy. He was touring already at seven a classical Indian music, and playing electric mandolin. And since my Shakti guitars I'd loaned out and I got them back broken, mm. this was another tragedy, but I had to do that tour with, with Haraji with electric guitar, and I had no Shakti guitar. Srinivas came in playing electric mandolin, and somehow the electric mandolin with the electric guitar was a perfect combination. And in fact, we would be still together today, but for the fact we lost him in 2014 at the age of 45. This was just a blow. We, we were really, lo we lost it. We lost it. And it took some time before we could finally uh, bring someone in. We invited, as you can see on the album, Ganesh Rajakopalan, who's a wonderful violin. So in the sense, we're making full circle with Shakti after 50 years, we're back to the violin. And as a musician that both Zakir and I have played with at least 20 years ago, so we know him very well. He's a wonderful musician. And so he's in. But I didn't finish the Shankar Mahadevan story. No. Uh, sorry, I digress. <laughs> okay, so this was after the tour when we both, Zakir and I said, we're sitting there, we have to go. And I said, it would be great if we can get a singer in the band. And I said, you know, uh, I mentioned this KV Narayana Swami, who was such a phenomenal singer. I said, if we can find anybody, some young singer who has taken this tradition. And Zakir was uh, leaving for India in about a week or 10 days later. And about a month later, he called me, he said, there's a guy called Shankar. Uh, he's going to send you a CD, a homemade CD. This was 99, by the way, by now. He said, he's, he's recorded some things at home, so, so you listen to it. I really like him. You, you listen to it and tell me what you think. 
And so, and I got the CD in the mail and I put it on and I say, within one minute, I was on the phone to Shankar. <laughs> because he was unbelievable, but unbelievable to me with his, with this singing these improvisations and he was singing gazals, these devotional songs, but beautiful. And what a voice. So it just so happened that in 99, Zaki and I had organized a tour of India with Shakti, but also we invited a number of musicians to tour India. We were about 11 musicians on that tour, just going around India. And Shaka Mahadevan graciously came in. And I think within, within like two concerts, both Zakir and I, we went to him and said, you know, would you please join the band? <laughs> you know, when we get back, which he graciously did. Oh. And that, so he's been with us now 23 years. Wow. So do you have the scalped uh, Shakti guitar on this album? No, no. Uh, the Shakti guitar. No, first of all, I would have a problem with it because of the size. Unfortunately, you know, my wrist would not be able to. Uh, I could do it t temporarily, but not in any long term. No, there's no Shakti guitar. And the other thing is, the reason I loaned them, I loaned them to some uh, person um, who I believed would not break them, but they were, uh, that's another story. Mm -hmm. uh, at that particular time, it was just when Viku Pinaikram, the South Indian percussionist, had to go back to India. His father had passed on and he had to take over the Cushion College that his father founded. So, and Shankar, he wants to do other things. So this, uh, Shakti went into, you know, the back burner mode, and it just so happened that same year, in 1978, was when I ran into Paco de Lucia, and I began playing. The Shakti guitar was not made for this kind of music, and so I started playing uh, the acoustic nylon string guitar, more like the classical guitar. And so on our work went on for quite some years. And in fact, I continued to work with the acoustic guitar, which I've always loved dearly. In fact, it was my first instrument, the acoustic guitar. Even when I wasn't working with Paco, I mean, I had a, a very nice trio. I don't know if you remember a trio I was having in the late 80s, maybe early 90s with Trilog Gurtul, Dominic Di Piazza. Very fine trio. Beautiful trio. And I did a number of albums, Kay uh, Alegria, Bella Rizonti. These were all acoustic. A music spoken here, I think it's all acoustic guitar albums. And there are others, of course. And so playing this nylon string classical guitar, the technique that I kind of forged on the Shakti guitar didn't work at all. The gamakas, you know, the, this this subtle bending of the in, of the string, no way, doesn't work on nylon string guitar. So the approach was quite was quite different. In any event, after I went on for about eight or nine years, there was uh, I kind of lost the technique that I developed over those years. I can imagine that is a pretty studied technique that you have to have to play that. It was. It was, it was fascinating. I derived that because of, of the, the time I spent with my guru, Dr. Ramanathan, in 1972 and 1974 at Western Union University, selling South Indian vino. 
But I'm one of those people who are not able to master two instruments in one life. And uh, no, I, I really, I, I, I was neglecting the guitar and I noticed I, I didn't work with the Vienna. The Vienna was private, you know. I tried to do it, but I couldn't. And in the end, I went to my guru. I said, you know, I'm really sorry, but I, I can't do it. And he understood. He said, I, I absolutely understand. But uh, he was very gracious because, in fact, when the very first beginning, 1973, when I invited Zaki to come from California, El Shankar was also a teacher at Wesleyan. And I went to my guru and I said, can I borrow your South Indian percussionist? <laughs> A Mridangam player called Ramnad Raghavan, who was actually on the first live album. And he said, of course. And so that was the that was really the first uh, where we brought North Indian and South Indian percussion together, which was actually prior to that almost unknown, in the, even in India. Right. So on the album, Is That So, though, there's a lot of synth guitar in that album, right? Is That So? Oh, Is That So, the album? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was one song I played guitar, but otherwise I'm playing, uh, yes, this uh, synthesizer guitar with a patch that I've been working on, tweaking for at least 20 years. Uh, and it comes back to this, my studying of flute in the late 60s with my first Indian flute teacher. So for me, the guitar somehow was not as vocally responsive. I had a much more feeling of singing with this particular tone. I had to change my technique, but I found it very satisfying. Some people say, no, I'm not, they're not fans of synthesizer guitar. But for me, it became absolutely natural to me. And I was able to articulate, if you will, in a vocal sense, that I'm not able to do on guitar. So is that what you're using on this moment? There are one or two extracts of that on this moment. Yeah, I felt like it was mostly electric guitar. Yeah, just little, just introductions, basically. Mm -hmm. But in terms of playing, no, playing that was reserved for Is That So, for that particular album, because I felt it went so well with the voice when the voice would stop with the, and I would come in and then go out. <laughs> But um, oh, that was a, a true milestone in my life. I mean, it was a monumental work. Oof, at least oh, a couple of years, basically. Yeah, wow. Well, this new album is pretty good, too. And there's a lot of joy in the. Oh, I love it. I love it. There's a lot of pure joy in this album, maybe more so than anything I've heard you do. I absolutely agree. But I think this is one of the innate qualities of, of Shakti since the beginning, which goes back to that first ex experience with Zakir in 1972. There's something in this group, and I think this is part of the thrill. Something happens spontaneously. Hmm. You wouldn't consider yourself playing Indian classical music, right? No, no. But uh, but El Shankar considered Shakti to be a modern take on Indian classical music. Uh, yes. The thing is, I've studied to quite a deep level the North and South Indian, especially the South Indian traditions, be it the ragas 
but even more so from the rhythmical point of view, because there's masters of rhythm. Hard to believe, but in 1974, when I became uh, an extracurricular student of Ravi G, I was living in New York, and he, every time he came to New York, he'd call me, and I would go over and, you know, make him some tea or get him some sandwiches, and he would just chat. And, and, and one day, you know, I was over there, and he said, I'm going to teach you South Indian Konako, which is the art of singing rhythm in the South Indian school. And he considered the South Indian school to be really the greatest. And he was a North Indian musician, but he was a master of both schools. Is that different from Tintal? It's what you hear Selva Ganesh and Zaki doing. Once you learn this and you learn the mathematics behind it, which I had to, I felt I had to do it in order to be able to play with people like Zakir and Selva Ganesh and Viku. If I don't know what they're doing, I'm, I'm going to be lost in five seconds flat because they are masterly. They're masters of rhythm. And the thing is, you should remember that in jazz music, the drummer is the heart of the band. If the soloist is not with the drummer, it's really the same school, different aspects, different genre, but the fundamentals are the same. Because whether I was playing with Miles or playing with Tony Williams or Billy Cobham, if I didn't understand what they were doing, I, I would have a hard time playing with them, especially Tony Williams. That was one of the great experiences of my life, those two years I spent with him. Marvelous. Because he was, I would say, one of the, the revolutionary dramas of the later 20th century. Just phenomenal. It's a shame you only did one album with uh, with the Lifetime. Yeah, with the two albums we did, but uh, and the one was turn it Tur turn it over. One was turn it over. One was emergency. Okay, right. Emergency was the very first. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah, a little rough around the edges, and I wasn't happy with the mix, but I had no no say in that. <laughs> oh, it's terrible! It's terrible. <laughs> but you know uh, what to do. Uh, I in the live. The playing live, which is what we did, you know, and we had some fantastic experiences. And Larry Young, too, the great Khalid Yassin. You know, because don't forget, I grew up with, with Hammond Organ from 1961. I was playing with Georgie Fame of the Blue Flames, and it was always Hammond Organ trios. And Hammond Organ trio, you remember the Bowsers, great Hammond Organ trios in the 60s. And great guitar players, you think of Brother Jack McDuff with George Benson and uh, Grant Green with Alvin. Oh, who was the... Anyway, that's what I grew up with. And so, yeah, Tony and Larry, what a one experience. So I think I've told you this before, but, but I saw Shakti before that first album came out. Like, well, well before. I saw you at a gig in Boston that was packed, I remember. And I remember all these white-robed people coming in and occupying the entire front <laughs> of the theater. Uh, they all came in en masse. <laughs> and I'm wondering, how much was the concept of Shakti at all wrapped up in your teachings with Sri Chamoy? Uh, it's wrapped up in the sense that, that I spent five years studying meditation with Sri Chamoy, which I treasure to this day because, really, this is where I 
really began to first meditate, uh, which is such a marvelous thing. I think it would be much less anger in the world if people meditated a little more. Mm. Um, but the, there was no, it was not strictly related to it because what I really feel is that music basically reflects what you are inside uh, in the sense that I cannot be one way in music and another way in life. I, if I'm like this in life, then it, the music will be like that. And my, my philosophy is, is, is if I can have a richer inner life, then I believe the music will benefit from that. Because the music, it puts its roots right down into your soul and takes whatever you have. I mean, basically, we surrender everything when we play music, whether intellectually, spiritually, or and on a subconscious level, I think, too. For me, one of the key things in life, which I believe continues to this day, is to develop as a human being, and that the deeper I am able to go inside, then the music will benefit from that, mm -hmm. whatever I'm doing. In that event, I benefit from it, because once you start to figure out who you are, then things become a little clearer. Do you ever go back and play tunes from earlier Shakti albums with with the current edition? Yes, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, if you if you see one of the shows uh, coming round, I'm gonna see your show when you come yeah, to Philly. I, I Look hope for so. me. I'll I be hope there. So. <laughs> Which one? In Philadelphia. Okay, um, we're playing. I mean. The thing is, by now, we have a very big repertoire of music. If you take into account the 70s, uh, the 80s, less than the 80s, the 90s came, 2000s. And so what we're playing, we don't know until basically just before we go on stage what we'll play um, what pieces from the 70s we will play because we have a lot of pieces from the 70s because we had, we were together for quite a few years. So we've got those and all the pieces we yeah, from the albums we did with Srinivas and now we have to integrate the pieces from this moment. So the problem is not choosing what to play is, is to choose what not to play. That's the difficult part. <laughs> I've got a trivia question for you because I read this in Rolling Stone, India, a current interview, where it said you gave guitar lessons to Jimmy Page. Yeah. That's true? Yeah. I'm, uh, guitar lessons. I mean, I would be maybe 18, 19. He would be 17. I think he's two years younger than me. So... Uh, I I was not a guitar teacher, but you know uh, I, I was like a young guitar player up and you know trying to trying to play. And Jimmy was the same, and, and we we happened to be kind of neighbors. And so you know he'd come by and I'd just say, you know, what well, do you see what I'm doing here? You know this and this. He said, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yes, and sure. And I said, well, you, what, what are you doing? And he said, yeah, what well, I'm doing this, and I'm trying to you know I'm really like I like the blues, you know. But I want to learn guitar. I want to really learn it. And I just saw him recently for the first time in, oh my goodness, must be 40 years. We, we, 
we I was going to say we when we get our age we count it in decades. Yes. Now. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on that. Uh, but the uh, no, it was for the Jeff Beck Memorial, you know, because we both knew and loved him very deeply. He's not because I'm leaving on Saturday because there there are two nights in London as a memorial concert for Jeff. A lot of a lot of players there. But Jimmy's not going to be there. I mean, well, he'll probably be there, but he's not playing. But maybe because he's not playing much at home. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think he's, because uh, I spoke to him there, and I, I, I did ask him. I said, are you still playing? You know, he's not, not like he used to. But, you know, me, I'm a hard case because I love to play every day. Just, I was just for the pleasure. That's, that, that's me. I was going to say, you had said you were going to retire from live playing, and, and fortunately you didn't. And I'm wondering, could you ever, you're one of those musicians, could you ever really stop playing? You, you stop playing when you keel over, John. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, saw, I just saw the Sun Ra Orchestra. Oh, yeah. Led by Marshall Allen. Oh, yes. 98 years old. Oh. Well, you know. What they say, musicians never die, we just decompose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. man. Well, it was great talking to you. And I'll, I'll see you in Tully. Great seeing you. <laughs> okay. I will have a link to Shakti's new album, This Moment, in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. On the Thursday Echoes podcast, it's going to be Mimi Page, an enchanting dream pop artist, EDM diva, and now sound healer. And remember to make your donation to our summer fun drive at echoes.org. Just hit the support tab at echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes Podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio, somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want.